Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Views on View. I am Steve Edwards, the host with the face for radio and the voice for being a mime, but I am still your host. Today, we have a very special guest with us. This is his first podcast from what he tells me, even though he's very, very famous in the view community. Alex Colbert. How are you doing, Alex? I'm fine. Yeah, really happy to be here. Here in Spain now is 8 p.m., so I'm quite relaxed. Thanks for chatting. All righty. Yeah, it's uh, about nine hours ahead of me here on the West Coast here in gray and rainy Oregon. If I remember correctly, you're having some nice warm sunshine. Is that where you're at? Yeah. Usually that's the case here. Yeah. Very hot in summer, then now winter is more mild. So right. it's, uh, I cannot complain. I know. I would love to be in a climate like that for sure. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I wanna give you the resources that are gonna help you do that. We're gonna have career and leadership resources in there, and we're gonna be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Alrighty, so let's have, Alex, why don't you give us a quick intro on where you are and what you do right now. And then what we'll do is go into your story, uh, the longer details on the background and how you got to be incredibly famous like you are now. Not that much, I guess, but uh, yeah, thanks for the compliment. So right now I'm working at Storybook as a developer relations, but before that I... Yeah, I changed many times the directions in my life, so probably we can talk about that today. And I also created Viewdos, which is a website where you will learn a lot of view tips that they are very to the point, they are practical, with live demos. So yeah, if you like the view community, please check it out if you don't know it yet. Also in the personal side, I would like I like to describe myself as a nomad, nomad soul human. So I like a lot of traveling, I like I like meeting new people, yeah, meeting with friends, having some beers and drinks, some sports. So yeah, just having fun, I would say. Yeah, I know I recognize Alex's name when I saw it come up just because I've been getting his newsletter for quite a while. Got a whole stack of them here in my in my inbox. So uh so yeah, so we'll get into that in a shortly. So let's go back to the very beginning, how you even got into software development, into programming. Wow, that's a nice story. So in the very, very beginning, I didn't even start to study anything about programming. I was working in more, how to say it, more primitive works in the village I was born. So, but in 2018, this crisis came, at least in Spain, uh, this construction. So I started to, yeah, to search for things to do. And apparently I was doing well with computers. So I started studying some computer courses in the high school and later came to the university. So I would say, would say it was by, yeah, more or less like in the middle of the university of those four years when I really find out my passion for developing. And then I started to, you know, just dedicate a lot of time to that, like 
watching courses, reading a lot of documentation, doing side projects. So yeah, that's where all started. So what language did you start at? Did you start out with web development, with JavaScript, with PHP? Where did you uh, first stick your toes in the water? At the very, very beginning in the university I went to here in Alicante, you learned the more basic. So C, C++, bit of Java for object-oriented programming. But it was in the third and fourth year that we had more flexibility that I started digging more into the JavaScript, which was not so fun back then because you know you had to deal with the DOM. You didn't have Angular, uh, Vue, React, Svelte, any of the frameworks we have now, any of the tooling. So yeah, a lot has changed in that. But I would say I was more like self-driven in the way I learned in those years that than things I learned in the university, you know, by by the guidelines they give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my story is pretty similar and I've mentioned it here in the past. I started out in the Drupal world back uh, 20 years ago, believe it or not, just playing with it myself, you know, learning it and doing side projects and eventually worked into a development job. So yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty common in, in some of the development stories that I've heard where people were self-taught, you know, use online resources and books and, and that kind of stuff to, to get into that. So when you got into JavaScript, is Vue the only framework you've played with? Have you played like Angular, React, Ember, some of the other frameworks, or is Vue pretty much the only one you've really worked with? I wish Vue was there when I started. <laughs> so, And this now, was when? When was this you were first getting into JavaScript? It was at 2013. Okay, so right. it's not that it's not that long ago, but uh, these last nine years, a lot has happened in the JavaScript community as well. Oh, and yes, for sure. Community. Yeah. So back then, I started with JavaScript and PHP mm -hmm. by the influence of you know it was like the most popular languages here in this area. Mm -hmm. I also finished my the last year of, the, of my university in Salzburg, Austria, mm -hmm. and you could feel that Ruby with Ruby on Rails was most that area has more influence in that language so i started also to learn a bit about that but that, not too much mm -hmm. and it was actually my first job when i started was right when i finished the university but it wasn't in javascript at all it was i was a qa so i was doing testing with delphi believe it or not also yeah <laughs> but really the first framework I used was Backbone and just a bit later came Angular 1, which was really cool because it introduced this data binding that you didn't, you didn't need to deal with the DOM. And that was really a pleasure in terms of developer experience, but it still was far from ideal because I remember in like people used to have like a lot of trouble rendering lists. It was like quite slow. And yeah, then later other frameworks like React, Vue, Angular 2 started to come. To the, play, to the to the stage. Yes, I also started out in Angular 1, and I can remember much of the pain points, <laughs> some of the difficulties for sure. Yeah. Cool. So you said you started out in Angular 1, and then Vue came around. So what was it, what was it about Vue that attracted you to Vue? Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to like this or not, but at first, at the very first, I didn't like Vue at all. So what? Oh, you've insulted everybody. No, I'm kidding. That's it's a secret. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so really, I was in my, um, I was very lucky back then because the second job was in, in a company in the Netherlands. So, you know, the conditions and the way of 
the company works in the north of Europe is quite different from Spain, and I would say much better in general. So back then, we had this monolith application that uh, the company was built for, you know, and it was we were working on our own product, but that monolith application was already too big. So we started to move everything to microservices and, of course, rebuilding all the front-end, which was built on Backbone and jQuery. We started building it. We wanted to build it in a new framework. And back then, I would say React was the most mature, has had more features. Like, for example, server-side rendering was the only one that had that. And Vue was still version 0.10. So one of the <laughs> first versions, most of the documentation was in Chinese. There were oh, not geez. many libraries or community stuff. Right. So we started to have this internal discussion on what should I use? Should we use? We, shall we use React? Shall we use Angular 2, which was still in alpha? Shall we use Vue? And for me, the decision was very clear to React, but somehow we ended up using Vue. So the majority voted Vue. I think it, I still think it was very risky, you know, because it was very, very, very green, very fresh back then. But I started loving it in version two, to be honest. So because I think since the very beginning and until this point, Vue didn't invent it, invented anything new. It didn't create anything new, but was picking the best things of everything. So the data binding from Angular, the server-side rendering from React, the event you see lately, this composition API based a lot in the React hooks, and yeah, also some things from Svelte. And probably that's the best part of Vue, that it's been picking the best of everything and making it very easy for the user to, you know, to achieve both easy things and hard things. Mm -hmm. or, you know, all advanced things, I would say. Right. So Evan came out of the Angular community. I think that was that was his goal was to take some of the best stuff and and implement that and get rid of some of the not so good stuff. And, I, so the, you know, I know I one of the concerns that, back that, then was support. You know, you pretty much get Evan and that was it. You know, if you got hit by a truck or something that happened to Evan, then, you know, what's going to happen to all the all the things that you're depending on view. I, now that's obviously not so much an issue with the view core team and, and many more people supporting the view core. But at the time, that was a legitimate concern that 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 many people had with, with view. So so you adopted it work and you started using it and getting familiar with it. So and that then it seems so you liked it. So you started getting involved in the bigger view community, right? So you use, looks like you created a couple packages, V lazy image and TSLint config prettier. If I'm reading that correctly. So, uh, yeah. well, what was it that inspired you to start doing that? Was it, was it, you know, sort of scratching your own itch where you had something, Hey, I solved this. Let's throw it out there and see if other people like it or, or what was your inspiration for those? I think before that step, everything started when I started writing some articles in my blog. So. You know, since Vue was very, very new. So, yeah, you, you imagine version uh, 0.10. So, not many things were there for Vue. Not many documentation, not many blogs, not many things. So, I started to take notes, but for myself, not with the intention to, you know, to publish something anywhere. So, a lot of people think you really have to know how to create a blog. You have to have a proposed. For me, it was taking notes on how did I solve this with Vue, mm -hmm. because probably happened to you that two weeks after you come across the same problem and you don't remember how you solved it. Yeah, exactly. So I was created with my own Vue snippets for mm -hmm. myself. But after a while, 
I realized that I was making some effort that could help other people as well. So I thought, why not giving it a second thought to any of those snippets mm -hmm. and publish it somewhere so other people can read it as well. And that's where I, when I created my own blog, which back then was in alexhover.com. It's, it's still there, but today I publish in Viewdose mostly. And I also started to republish my articles on other platforms like Medium or Dev.2, which many people think is a bad practice, you know, to do the republishing, but is great for SEO and your own engagement if you do it well, like you mm -hmm. know, like using the right canonical URLs and all that stuff. So you tell Google that the original one is in one site, but you, you are using others, other, mm -hmm. or other channels, other resources that point to the same original article. And after creating content, and we started to do internally in that company some, let's say, internal open source, I was creating some components that, yeah, that weren't out there. And everything started with a plain JavaScript. It was called Shortcut JS. It's still there. And I'm, after a while, I was pretty impressed because I thought that nobody was using the library, but ourselves, it was like a keyboard manager for JavaScript. But after a while, I found out that one person started to create issues and pull requests. And it was one that was creating the website of the, of the people retired from the U.S. Army. So I was like, wow, is the U.S. Army retired people? I'm not sure what's the name right now, really using this. And yeah, it was a matter of time that after a while, uh, especially after some time using Vue, yeah, we were using some components that we didn't find out there. The first was the lazy image and the other was the runtime template. This was in a different project when I was already working on my own, on my own personal brand, and I was consulting different companies. So yeah. Also, Tesla in Comfy Prettier happened during that stage. And also, I was starting with TypeScript and also in the early stages. So the, there weren't many resources as we have today, like Vite or Rollup or Webpack that makes it very easy to integrate TypeScript in your project. So back then, I created TypeScript library started. It started to have like many stars in a few times. Yeah, in yeah, very quickly, I would say. Right now, I'm not sure if it has like more than 2,000. It's been a while since I don't uh, check it and I don't maintain it, but it's still out there. And I think that that was the first time that I realized that something you do, or I did in this case, it can be beneficial for many people. Because normally you, you know, when you just, when you are just starting, you just publish it. You hope two, three people will use it in the best case. And yeah, you can get surprised if you make it reach more people. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it can be, it's amazing how much somebody throws something out and it just takes off and is super popular because I think it's always safe to assume that if I'm having a particular problem or if I'm trying to solve a particular problem, a problem that's in front of me, other people are, are probably having the same problem and are looking for a way to solve it. So yeah, that's, that's the great thing about open source is you can just throw something out there and say, hey, I use this, it works. Totally. It can be probably the people right now when they hear this, they could be like, oh, it's so cool. So you created a library that has many stars or many users using it. It can be also scary and you have to maintain it. Yes, and that was going to be my I, next point. <laughs> exactly. I got the feeling, especially with uh, TS Config Prettier. So, you know, when Prettier came came in to the stage as, um, you know, the main formatter in the JavaScript community, uh, there was a problem that is that it was fighting with ESLint because right. ESLint takes care of the both of the semantic and the formatting rules. Like 
how many tabs you use, right? Or do you do you use uh, semicolons or not, or, or that kind of stuff? So right. they both started to fight. So someone created ESLint config prettier, which disabled the ESLint rules for formatting. So that means ESLint take care of the best practices and prettier of formatting. So since I started using TypeScript back then, I thought, okay, I can create the same, but for TypeScript. So I started, mm-hmm. I created ESLint config prettier. So after, at the beginning, not many people were using it. TypeScript wasn't that popular back then also. But after some weeks, yeah, a lot of people was using it. Basically, most of the projects that were created with TypeScript were using it. After some months, I'm not sure if it was like five or six months, more than almost half a million downloads per month was having the package. So at some point, wow. the Prettier organization contacted me and said, hey, can we move this package to the Prettier organization? And now you will find it in the Prettier organization and has like more than 2 million downloads per month, which is really a lot and a scary. Luckily, now in the Prettier organization, there are more, more people, more collaborators. But uh, yeah, make sure that when you publish something in open source, you will be able also to maintain it and to know how to handle it because uh, it's really cool. I have to say it's really cool. 